Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Today we pause to remember those who fought for our freedom. Hamilton's upcoming budget talks will be tricky to say the least. There are new recommendations regarding masking this winter and how can we save money at the grocery store and still eat healthy. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Remembrance Day, a day when we pause, and we pause with a purpose. Each year at the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, we take a moment to remember the sacrifices the brave men and women of the armed forces made for the freedom that we enjoy today. We remember those who put their life on the line, the soldiers who went overseas to fight against tyranny, to combat hate, and to secure freedom for generations to come. We remember the 15-year-old fresh-faced infantryman who lied about his age so he could join the war. We remember the nurse who cared for the wounded and dying. And we remember the grizzled commander whose commitment was to win the battle without losing any of his troops. They made the ultimate sacrifice that not many of us today would eagerly make. We remember them, we thank them, and as we pause today, we promise to never forget. One at Passchendaele and one at uh, Pilkin. I should never forget it as long as I live. The first impression I got of the trenches was they were very much lived in. We had to take them as we found them. You would see an overcoat hanging from a wooden peg. You would see a mess tin with some tea in it, a dugout which had a piece of blanket in it, a bed made of sandbags. We went living actually in the sense of the word. It was, it was, it was just punishment. It was, can you imagine yourself standing out there in all kind of weather, hail, rain, frost and snow? Any bit of food you got, you ate a mind it, that's another thing. If you had a bit of food you were saving for a rainy day, the only safe place for it in your stomach. Because the rats would find them no matter where you put them. What with the, the, the lice eating the flesh off the live ones and the rats scourging themselves on the bodies of the dead, it was a lovely, real happy time, wasn't it? One of these guys had a berry pistol and he shot it at me. Went right over the top of my head. Boom. Never forget it. Shot where he was and that was the end of that. One of my most heartrending experiences during the war was in a little town in Germany that we thought was perfectly safe. And we were sitting on a fo- in the edge of a foxhole. He had gotten a letter from his wife with a photograph of his two young children. And he handed it to me. He was very happy to have that picture of him. And just as I was handing it back to him, a mortar shell exploded just outside the foxhole a piece of it hit me in the leg and caused a burn. Shrapnel hit him full blast and just shredded him. It just took his head off and and I didn't really stop and look at it. I just crawled out of the foxhole and 
Went down to the aid station to see if they could do anything for my leg. When we pulled into Pearl Harbor, I'd never seen such a mess in my life. And I've even had to pull bodies out of the water. One that gets me so bad that I'll never forget. I reached out and grabbed him by the hair, started to lift his body out. He was slipping, I reached over and grabbed his arm, and the meat just come right off the bone. I never forget that. Eye-opening is an understatement. It really shows you how fortunate we are to be Canadians in this uh, great country. And uh, as far as uh, the experiences, it really allows you to embrace uh, what we have here in Canada. Take a couple moments today to honor our war veterans, both uh, since past and those who are currently serving our nation and putting their lives on the line to make sure our freedom remains. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Another Remembrance Day. Millions of people around the world will pause today for Remembrance Day ceremonies, including many here in Hamilton, of course, including our next guest. Shirley Beaton is the poppy chair at the Mountain Legion Branch 163 with the Royal Canadian Legion. And Shirley joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Hello, Shirley. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining us this morning. How are you going to be commemorating Remembrance Day today? Well, uh, I will be at our Remembrance Day service, which starts at 1030. Um, And then I am going to also be a guest at the new mosque on Upper Sherman at 630 this evening for their Remembrance Day service. And how's that going to work? I, I, I had no idea they held one. Uh, I do not know. This is my <laughs> first time. <laughs> well, it should so. be an eye-opener, so good luck with that. How, yes. As the poppy chair, how have poppy sales gone this year? You know what? I just want to say that the people of the mountain and Hamilton are truly giving this year. Um, we have had outstanding uh, sales so far, and... When all the boxes come back, we hope for a really great year. What is the fundraising goal? Well, my fundraising goal <laughs> is between fifty and seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow! And how and who does that money help? Well, um, it helps veterans and their families. Um, it also, um, because of that, also helps the community. Uh, my pet project is homeless veterans, so um, money will be donated at various levels of the government to help homeless vets. Uh, in Hamilton alone, we've identified over 100 homeless veterans. That is a sad statement, Shirley. A homeless veteran. How do we, how do we allow this to happen? Uh, You know what? A lot of it is, um, unfortunately, a lot of it is mental health. And because of that, so many of them end up on the street. 
Well, that's very sad. Shirley Beaton is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shirley is the poppy chair at the Mountain Legion Branch 163. I heard you had about 80,000 poppies to start. That's a lot of poppies. We did, and we had to order another 20,000. Wow. Yes. Like I say, this year has been outstanding. And um, even the schools, um, so many of the schools called called back. Um, some of them we had missed, whether they were new schools or a few years ago took themselves off the um, off the list, and now they want to be back on. So it's it's just a wonderful response from the public and the school system. That's tremendous to hear because this needs to be a focal point in our schools. We have to educate our our, our children, the younger generation, about the sacrifices that were made. Um, it may have been so long ago, but they still resonate today, and the kids today need to learn that. Well, this is, this is the thing. We have lost so many um, of our World War II veterans because think of the age they must be now. And, you know, we only have a couple left in our branch. I know that each of the branches probably only has a couple of those veterans. Uh, Korean War vets, Afghan, Afghanistan War vets, um, you know, the ones that went to Iraq, peacekeepers, they are all very much in the up-and-coming veterans. So, we, you know, we are there for them. We are there for their families and we will do what we can for them. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Shirley Beaton, the poppy chair at the Mountain Legion Branch 163 as we commemorate Remembrance Day today. New this year are biodegradable poppies. Tell us about them. Well, um, they were designed by someone in Ottawa. Um, The only thing that isn't biodegradable, of course, is the straight pin. And that I'm assuming can go in the metal. I don't know how you <laughs> quite how you get it there because it's so tiny. But everything else, uh, once the uh, you know once today is over, we ask that people remove their their poppies. It's only to be worn for the two week period that we've been selling them, um, and they can just put them in their compost, and they will be biodegradable. So, do they look the same? Do they feel the same? Uh, no, they they look the same, but they feel slightly different. I'm thinking they've got a lot more paper in them than the original one, but they do look the same. Hmm. They're a little bit darker red in color than than the old ones, but and they're not the old ones had um, they're almost furry on top, yep. or these ones are not. You can tell that they're made of paper, but they do look the same. I've also heard, and I'm not sure if you have information on this, that there's a poppy out there where it has a little, I guess, a QR code where you can scan and it it shares a story of a veteran or a major battle or something to do with one of the wars. It does. I understand that the new poppies, all you have to do is scan the poppy and they built the QR code right into it. Wow. That's That's a great education tool. It is, yep. And there are so many education tools. Um, if you go online to um, the Ontario Command, which is www.legion.on.ca, 
um, you'll see that there's um, there's a lot of things, and some uh, down the side there's forms and manuals for us, but there's also presentations, and you know that you can you can use for uh, teaching methods and stuff like that. So. That, that's tremendous. We've got a, a couple minutes. I just want to educate our listeners a little bit. Uh, we were talking earlier this week, and you mentioned that both your parents were military members. That's correct. Um, both my parents were World War II veterans, and that's how they met. My mother is, was actually British, and um, she met my father when he was stationed in England. Did they share many stories with you? You know... Some, but not all. And one year they took us to England, and they we traveled to where their base was and stuff like that. I know that my dad was a gunner in um, in World War Two. So, but they, you know, they didn't really share that much. It's it's one of those things, and I think that's part of the the stigma. Is it's it's such an awful thing that you don't want to, you know, you don't want to uh, share with your your children or your family, but it is stuff that needs to be told. Very much so. Shirley, I'm glad that you've told your story today and sharing the news about an outstanding poppy campaign once again. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, um, uh, take part in the, in the ceremonies today, including the one tonight, which should be interesting. Right, but the service today starts at 10.30 a.m., um, our doors open at 10, and the service will be inside on the second floor. So if it's raining, it won't really matter. <laughs> we, all, we will all be dry. Shirley, thanks again, and okay. uh, enjoy the day. Thank you, Rick. That is Shirley Beaton. Poppy Chair, Mountain Legion Branch 163, who obviously has a busy day ahead. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's another interesting celebration uh, in regards to Remembrance Day happening today, this is a community uh, really initiative partnering with a bunch of local groups to create poppies with a personal message that will be shared with veterans. Richard Glass is the campaign manager with the Poppy Project and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Richard, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick, and good morning, Hamilton. Tell us about the Poppy Project. What is this all about? Well, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I guess in the scope of the things of things, it's uh, not huge, but I think it's very important for those that are taking part. So we've been working with the local community to com- commemorate uh, Remembrance Day, and it's called the Poppy Project. And uh, th- we're we're a retirement residence, and we handed out over a, a thousand large poppies, specially designed to enable kids and adults uh, to write personal messages addressed to the veterans. And so these got, poppies uh, will be displayed at your residence? Yeah, we the management got up bright and early this morning to quote-unquote plant the thousand or so poppies. <laughs> and, and they're out on our front lawn, and uh, I liken it to our own uh, Flanders Fields. That's tremendous. So they're going to be on display starting, well, in about eight minutes' time uh, at the uh, at the residence on Main Street East here in Hamilton. What kind of response do you anticipate to get? Well, I, I, we're already getting a response from uh, from those that are driving by and honking and uh, and waving. And so so that's great. Um, 
And I think the response, most importantly, um, or certainly as important as the seniors, are the students themselves. And that's what's really excited me about this project is that uh, it, it gives the, the teachers and the students a, a, a means to uh, understand what was sacrificed on, on our behalf. And um, they can personally write a, a note to, to the veterans themselves. I mean, we've got some, we've got some great notes that, that have been sent out. And so, uh, so that's been really neat. Richard Glass is the campaign manager with the Poppy Project and is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. They have uh, collected uh, about a thousand poppies, from what I understand, with personal messages from uh, local residents, people in schools, people at churches, senior centers, uh, people in the neighborhood, families writing down a personal message. I would imagine many of these messages are really some some are probably sweet. Some are probably very powerful. Well, um, we, you know, most of our messages, and, and um, I, we did this on purpose, um, comes from the local schools. So we've got uh, four schools that have been involved, but I've, I've got some great ones. Uh, if you got a second. For yeah, me, yeah. Read some for us. Okay. So this is from you. And, and, and <laughs> I'm so thankful that you fought for us. We'll never forget you. I am proud to be Canadian because of amazing people. I will always remember you. I will always wear poppies on Remembrance Day. Wow. So, you know, this is a little kid of, uh, you know, 10, 10, 11 years old who's, uh, you know, really got the message of how important Remembrance Day is. And that is a powerful message, especially for kids to hear and understand and then take with them for the rest of their lives. And that, that's what the Poppy Project's all about. Yeah, exactly. I got, a, I got another, another one, okay. a quick one from somebody, from somebody younger, I gather. I love you. I miss you. I won't forget you. You are brave. I respect you. Thank you for fighting for your country. <laughs> wow, that that is very sweet. Um, so, and and we've got a thousand of those messages. You know, that's that's uh, that's really special. We think. Um, so we've got the kids coming over about uh, uh, well in about ten minutes or so, and uh, we're going to serve serve them up hot hot chocolate and and cookies and get them to meet the residents and, and sort of broaden the, the experience for them. So it should are, be a lot of fun. Are there any residents who were involved in uh, some of the major conflicts? Well, we have two residents uh, that, that, are, that were involved uh, in the World Wars, uh, World War II, I guess, in particular. Mm -hmm. And um, w w one is sort of able and willing to chat. The other is, is kind of, I guess, resting, I suppose. Right. Well, that's we have another veteran who is involved in the Korean War. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just speaking to one of our residents, and and uh, I was pointing out the poppies to her, and she said, "You know, I remember when I lived in London um, at a young age and having the planes fly over and the bombs dropping, and uh, that's just a, a very dramatic picture and and something that we we have to we have we have to uh, make sure that we keep in focus you know for the future absolutely and continue that message for years to come richard i commend you for this effort the poppy project sounds like a phenomenal campaign thanks for joining us and good luck in the years to come oh well it's our pleasure and if anybody's around four six seven um main street east they can drop by and have some hot chocolate and cookies sounds like a plan thanks richard 
All right. Thanks very much. Richard Glass, campaign manager of the Poppy Project. That is absolutely outstanding. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. As Hamilton's newly elected city council gets ready to take office next week comes the stark reality of upcoming budget deliberations that are going to prove probably very difficult. John Paul Danko is councillor for Ward 8 with the city of Hamilton and joins us now. JP, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Everybody's favorite subject, taxes. Yeah, well, before we get to that, how are you commemorating Remembrance Day today? I'll be at the Mountain Legion uh, to commemorate Remembrance Day with the veterans there. And uh, I've been very fortunate. All the companies that I've worked for over my my career in the private sector always paused at 11 o'clock to have a a moment of silence. That's important to do so. In fact, we we spoke with Shirley Beaton, the poppy chair from Mountain Legion Branch 163 earlier today on how how overwhelmingly uh, successful this year's poppy campaign has been. So it's great to see that people are pausing and reflecting and remembering on the importance of this day. Let's get to City Council. You guys just wrapped up a couple of days of orientation. How did that go? It was really good. Uh, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm among the new councillors to get sworn in and get to work, which is uh, really encouraging. You first joined City Council four years ago. How long did it take you to get comfortable in that role? Uh, There's definitely a pretty significant learning curve. It takes some time to learn uh, what all the city departments do, who does what, who you have to uh, get in touch with. Because a lot of the work that we do as a council doesn't happen at the council table, you know, in chambers. It it happens behind the scenes working with staff, and, and that takes some time to build those relationships. Did any veteran councillors help you along? Oh, absolutely. Um, all the veteran councillors were, you know, very uh, accommodating um, when we got started. Uh, coming in as a, as a new councillor, especially if you're taking over f- from um, uh, somebody that, that you defeated, um, you don't you don't get any support there in the office, but you definitely do get uh, that support from staff because I think it's in everybody's best interest to get everybody up to speed as quickly as possible so that we can move on with the business of the city. John Paul Danko is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mr. Danko is a councillor in Ward 8 with the city of Hamilton. Let's get to budget talks. They're on the horizon. Um, As it stands right now, I believe that council is staring at a potential uh, nearly 7% budget hike. With, With so many new faces on council, could this be a more challenging budgetary process compared to the past couple of years? There's no question that the 2023 budget uh, has some very significant pressures. So if you think about the core services that we deliver as a city, um, you know, roads, water, garbage, fire, police, paramedics, public health, uh, parks and recreation, um, the pressures on those departments over the past uh, few years have been pretty significant. And I think we, we need to talk about how municipal governments set their budgets. So when we talk about a tax increase, we're not talking about we're going to increase your, ta- your taxes and then, you know, deliver more services or do more things. We're simply talking about paying for the services that we're already delivering. So um, municipalities can't run a deficit, so we can't debt finance our services. We have to pay for what we do in year. So every year, the cost to deliver those services increases due to inflation. And right now, inflation is up uh, around 7 or 8%. So we're looking at a tax increase in about the same uh, amount. Now, of course, as a municipal council, you know, we recognize that cost of living has increased uh, so much for residents in Hamilton. 
And we want to do our best to make sure that we are as responsible as we can be with any tax increase. You mentioned inflation. That's something that you obviously cannot control. There are other pressure points that are squeezing the budget. What are the, the, the major hurdles that you have to overcome? Well, there's a couple of legislative things. So first of all, about half of the city's budget is legislated by the province. So that means in order to save $1, we have to cut $2, which is a huge um, challenge for us. And then on top of that, just the budget pressures this year, we're looking at about a $100 million annual uh, infrastructure deficit, which means, you know, all the, the people that during the campaign that have been asking to fix the roads, well, we've been underfunding infrastructure for uh, decades, and that's a huge challenge. COVID recovery is another one. Um, all of our efforts for the past couple of years on the public health side have been into uh, dealing with COVID through um, you know, initial the, the shutdowns, then to vaccines, and then to managing the, the fallout throughout the entire healthcare sector. Um, and we are running out of COVID, um, um, gov- uh, upper levels of government COVID financing um, supports this year, along with uh, lost revenue from recreation and transit primarily, again, because of COVID. We're seeing huge pressures in social services for housing, the opioid crisis, poverty and substance abuse, um, and the effects on paramedics with uh, with code zero incidences because of overloading in uh, emergency rooms. Um, the province is downloading a very significant cost to the city this year through Bill 23. The development charge exemptions that they're forcing upon municipalities, we have to fund in year. So that is a huge pressure for our municipality. Along with the urban boundary expansion, it costs the city money to service those lands, and that is money that we will never recover in tax revenue. So those are some of the major liabilities that we're facing as a city. So with all that going on, it's likely that we're going to see another tax increase in 2023. I mean, I, I can't see another way around it in getting to that 0%. So 0% is is uh, is a cut in um, what we're actually doing. So if the tax increase is equal with inflation, then for the city, that's that's net zero. We're, we're delivering the exact same services as we were the year before. So our challenge as a municipality is to try to be as efficient as possible. We know that it, uh, the cost of living in Hamilton uh, is, a, is a huge challenge for residents. Over the past 10 years, Hamilton has had around a 2% uh, tax increase annually, which is about in line with inflation. Um, but we know that Hamilton uh, has a bigger challenge than some of our competitor municipalities in terms of the ability to pay. Uh, just frankly, people in Hamilton in general make a little bit less money than people in you know, Mississauga or Oakville, which means that it's much harder for you know, some Hamilton residents to, to absorb those tax increases. And I think as a municipal council, we're very mindful of that. And we want to be as, as efficient as we can be. But the realities are, especially with the provincial downloading from the Ford government, we're going to see uh, some very significant uh, pressures this year. And it's going to be some hard choices of what do we cut, what services do we maintain, what are our needs versus our wants. I don't envy you and the others around the council table, that is for sure. JP, thanks for the time today and good luck with us. Thank you, Rick. Really appreciate it. John Paul Denko, Councillor Ward 8, City of Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Physicians warning us about, well, everything from COVID to RSV to the flu, and all three are expected to pack a punch 
and make for a challenging winter ahead. Dr. Rose Zacharias is the president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us now on GMH. Dr. Zacharias, welcome back to the show. How are you this morning? Thanks so much. It's good to be here. I'm, f- I'm doing fine, thank you. The uh, the OMA making a series of recommendations, uh, including masking. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. But we've heard of this triple threat of respiratory illnesses, as I mentioned, COVID, RSV, the flu, and some are calling this a perfect storm. The question is, are are we ready for this? Well, I'm really concerned because our healthcare system is in a state of overwhelm. Our emergency departments are well beyond capacity. We've actually seen emergency department closures over this last year, and we're heading into winter. People will gather more indoors. And this is the first year since the pandemic began, which uh, ushers in a a regular flu season. So we know viruses transmit much more easily when we're, we're in crowded spaces. And so we need to be very mindful of the things that we can do washing hands, getting caught up on our um, COVID-19 boosters and flu shots and staying home if we're sick. Those sorts of things are really important, especially now. Can you foresee what we saw earlier on in the pandemic, and that is surgeries and procedures either postponed or canceled until a later time? Well, we're seeing that already. And we know that uh, well over 1 million surgeries were actually delayed as a result of COVID and have been waiting in a queue to be done. And there aren't um, enough hospital capacity. Our um, healthcare provider teams were dealing with doctor and nursing shortages. And so people are waiting way too long to get their hip replacements, knee replacements, hernia surgeries, cataract surgeries. Um, We know cancer screenings went delayed. People are showing up sicker in our emergency departments. And and well over a million people in Ontario don't have a family doctor, someone to go to, to kind of, um, you know, provide that care. Um, all along. So yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about our hospital situation. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dr. Rose Zacharias, president of the Ontario Medical Association. You mentioned that this is the first time in a couple of years that we'll have a somewhat back-to-normal flu season. But not only that, I understand uh, influenza has arrived early in Ontario. What's the impact there? Yeah, we always look to our Southern Hemisphere neighbors. So we saw in Australia, they had a relatively severe but short flu season. And we see that the flu is circulating one month earlier this year than last year. So for example, this time last year, we had flu cases in the single digits, less than 10. And now we've recorded 1,500 flu cases so far. So we know it's here early. We know that uh, we know that the flu shot is the safe and effective way to prevent um, people getting sick from the flu. So I just really want people to take time out of their day to plan for that flu shot. Um, because otherwise, with the flu and COVID-19 still circulating and, and other viruses such as RSV, especially with kids circulating, uh, we could get into even a worse situation. There is a a debate, and it's been growing for a few months now, on whether or not mask mandates should return. What is the OMA saying? Mm -hmm. So Ontario's doctors have always recommended wearing masks in crowded places, public transit, uh, when you're gathering with people who are more vulnerable, elderly people. And so that has never changed. Um, And yet at this time, it's still a person's choice. um, And so we are urging people to be mindful of the safety, protectiveness of mask wearing, 
and uh, and to keep one handy in your back pocket, in your glove compartment, so that it's easy to put on when you're walking indoors. We spoke yesterday with a physician and asked him about the mask wearing among children and whether that correlates to what we're seeing in terms of RSV among kids. And he said that there's really no correlation. The mask is not um, uh, uh, allowing them to get RSV because they were masked for the last couple of years. Uh, Are you in agreement with that? So what we know is that children weren't exposed to the same level of viruses circulating because we had those health, uh, those public safety restrictions in place, the mask mandates. And so now with less mask wearing, kids are exposed to these viruses. And most kids will get a common cold and a bit of a fever, runny nose, and, and have to be at home and feeling a little bit miserable, which is not fun for the little ones. Um, but some kids will get sicker, some with asthma, and we know that some kids are being admitted for oxygen support and into hospital. So we all need to do what we can, getting our flu shots, our COVID-19 boosters, wearing masks indoors. That's really important, really important to keep everybody safe and healthy. We only have about a minute. The hospital should not be the first destination you think of if you have the flu or COVID or RSV and you have you know severe symptoms. So I would encourage people who have family doctors, primary care providers, nurse practitioners to connect with them about those milder symptoms, you know, having a fever for a couple days um, and, uh, and, and possibly, you know, the runny nose and the cough. But anybody who's got shortness of breath, chest pain, using even their inhalers more because they're asthmatic or have, have bronchitis, these are reasons to come to the emergency department, and, and that's what our emergency departments are for, is to care um, for those who are particularly vulnerable. So um, a lot that we can do um, in caring for each other this time of year, and so getting out there to get your flu shot is just a really good top-of-mind reminder, even for today. Great tips from Dr. Rose Zacharias, the president of the Ontario Medical Association. Thanks for your time this morning. Absolutely. You're welcome. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. With food prices going up and up and up, food security is a fact of life, sadly so, for many people in this community and really across the country. And so I was thinking about this with the new Nanos research survey that came out. And the thought that I had was, how can we save money at the grocery store? How can we pinch our pennies without sacrificing nutrition. And so I thought, let's get a registered dietitian on the show. So that's what we're doing. Registered dietitian, diabetes educator from Hamilton Family Health Team. Kate Park joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Kate, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So a new survey from Nanos Research, uh, they have a, a number of things that we'll go through here. Maybe we'll start with the number of Canadians who are buying less expensive food. According to their survey, 61% of us are buying less expensive food. And what I thought of was less expensive sometimes means not as nutritious. Uh, so number one, that's, that's really not surprising that many Canadians are buying less expensive food. No, it isn't. I mean, given inflation, everybody's budgets are getting tighter and tighter all the time. And we even know that last year in 2021, because the Hamilton Public Health does its own screen of what food insecurity is like around Ontario, we already knew about 16.1% or 16.1% of Ontario households were experiencing food insecurity. And those numbers are likely going up even more. Um, so it's not surprising that people are looking um, to try and save money on their budget. And that 16% is Ontario-wide. Do we know what the number is in Hamilton? 
Uh, they're still reviewing the numbers right now, specifically, but we do know that roughly, I think they're saying like the average household is costing about two hundred and thirty-eight dollars a week for a family of four in the city of Hamilton to afford groceries, which is about thirty percent of their monthly income, hmm. um, which is a lot. Um, and you know, there's worries that that could continue to go up, unfortunately. So the question is, how can we save money at the grocery store without sacrificing nutrition? Yeah, so I think instinctively, a lot of people, I mean, changing diet is hard to begin with. Um, So people are trying to buy, you know, inexpensive versions of the things they already ate. But the good news is there are a lot of inexpensive foods available in the store that are still really nutritious. Um, For example, frozen fruits and vegetables have the same level of nutrition as their fresh counterparts. Um, So buying those can be a nice inexpensive way to keep costs down, especially as we're moving into the colder season and we can't get things fresh and local at that inexpensive price we maybe experienced during the summer. Other areas that we could save money are using things like beans. Um, I'm constantly recommending to my patients to use things like lentils and chickpeas. Um, You mix those in with, say, like their ground meats, like hamburgers, to stretch their budget um, so they can make bigger portions with less money. Um, You can buy them dry. You can buy them uh, canned. And even the canned ones, though they have salt, if you give them a good rinse, still have a good nutritional impact to them. I need a good bean recipe because I like beans, but I never eat them. (laughs) It's amazing, considering that we are actually one of the biggest producers of lentils in the world, how few of us are actually using beans. I think you're going to see a real trend in using beans, not only just because of the cost savings, um, but there's a real trend in the nutrition sciences right now on the benefits of plant-based protein for long-term health benefits. So I'm I'm expecting to see on TikTok and Instagram and all of those, all of these new bean recipes coming out. (laughs) I, I am officially hopping on board the bean recipe craze. Kate Park is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Kate is a registered dietitian, a diabetes educator with the Hamilton Family Health Team. This uh, survey from Nanos Research also shows that 25% of people are stockpiling food. And what I thought of was, uh, here we go again with the increase in food waste. Um, Am I on the right track here? I mean, it's not unusual for there to be that kind of society um, panic whenever costs or resources seem like they're going to go down. I mean, we saw that early in the pandemic with other resources, right? Um, The thing is, it'll really depend on the ingredients. Some things like canned goods can last for ages, so we may not experience food waste. But, But for people that maybe are not as familiar with how to store particular foods, yes, unfortunately, food waste could go up. But that's actually an opportunity for people to do a lot more cost savings is to look into ways to reduce their food waste. There's a lo- It's amazing how much things we're throwing in the bin that we could be saving. So one of my favorite tips, for example, is when you're chopping your basic fruits and vegetables like carrots and celery, there's little bits and pieces that we often don't use because they're funny shapes. Throw those in a freezer bag mixed together and then use those in a pot later to make your own stocks. Soup stocks are really an inexpensive thing you can do. Um, with the leftover bits that would normally go into your compost. Um, And that can be a cost savings right there. That is a great tip. 17% of Canadians say they are eating less food because prices are too high. That's a troubling number. 
It is a troubling number, especially when we look at malnutrition across the city. Um, we already know some people were not meeting their nutritional needs to begin with. And now that people are strapped on their budgets and eating smaller portions, that risk is going even higher for our most vulnerable populations. So in the public health and in primary care, we're definitely screening for it more and looking for opportunities to get people connected to supports um, so that we can avoid that malnutrition risk. Got a couple more minutes with Kate Park, registered dietitian, diabetes educator with the Hamilton Family Health Team. We're talking about food insecurity, rising food prices, and how we can save money without sacrificing nutrition. Uh, last on this list of uh, from the Nanos Research Survey, and I thought this number would be a lot higher, and that's the number of people using coupons or looking for items on sale, and only 6% of us are doing so. Yeah, I it doesn't seem to be a rising trend yet, but I do suspect it's going to increase over time, especially as people's budgets get tighter and tighter. Um, and there's so many different uh, great apps available um, and tools and resources for accessing those sort of things. So you can do even just some price comparisons. So I am I was surprised by that low number as well. But I do suspect that more people will start looking for opportunities to save money. And that's likely one way they'll be doing it. I think so too. Kate, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's Kate Park, registered dietitian, diabetes educator with the Hamilton Family Health Team as we talk about rising food prices and how you can still go to the grocery store, save a little bit of money, but not sacrifice that nutrition. 61% of Canadians buying less expensive food, 25% of us stockpiling that food, and 17% of us, this rather scary number, say we are eating less food because these food prices are too high. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.